Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I had to sort out my wobble. Um, <laughs> have you got your wobble sorted? Oh, look, it's working properly now. Is it? Yeah. Are you? Funny I'm enough, just literally that wobble every time it, I speak. Yeah. Well, I then knocked my mic off the table because I was so happy to have my wobble back. So <laughs> yes. this is not good. Yeah. Let's put you over here. Um, yeah. So sorry, listeners. Just in case you're wondering what the hell is going on, um, <laughs> we've been trying to figure out my audio, and I've been flatlining the whole time in audio terms, meaning no sound being picked up. Mm. So we were just hoping to get my wobble back so I can see not a flat line. But Brian's wobble is bigger than my wobble. This is what mm. I'm worried about. I don't like to brag. That's life, isn't it, really? Uh, <laughs> I've always wanted the biggest wobble. Um, you fed me that line then, didn't you, really? I'm really grateful for that. Thank you. I did. I like to yeah. set you up. You know, wingman. Yeah. I'm your wingman. No worries. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. um, how have you been, Brian? You okay? I've been very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really looking forward to the festival. Um, mm. And as I say, the, the more films that I watch within the different festival categories, the more impressed I am overall. Me too. I, I, it's been such an incredible selection so far. I mean, I've got, we've got five more tonight. And I, I think that what always impresses me is just thinking about the craftsmanship and the devotion that's gone into these yeah. films from a level of like, you know, they just pour themselves into these stories. And uh, I think you know, it, it's such a privilege to be able to, to see them yeah. and, and review them. Mm, so, yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. I think you can you sense that 
a lot of care has gone into every single frame of that's been filmed and uh you appreciate that and they that's where you you appreciate the art of it as well the art of capturing a frame an image a mood um I think you see it a lot more, though, in shorter films than independent films mm. because they know time and resources are limited and they, they take so much more care over it. When you've got a bigger budget, I think you can be a bit more, um, what can we say, laid back and loose about it because you've got that those resources to draw on. But I think when your resources are, are limited, you're going to take more care about getting it right the first time and you, you feel that comes through here. Yeah, I think it because it, it can work both ways. Like you know, I hear stories about filmmakers, like indie filmmakers, that have been making a film for like two years because mm. they've had to like do it whilst still working, probably like a full time job yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. That in some ways that's good because they can not rush it, take the time, you know, really get it perfect. But then in other senses, it might sort of become less connected because obviously the process of you know, when you wrote the film to when you <clears throat> actually filmed it to when you then actually put it together in the editing room you know if that's in big distances in between you feel Mm. that maybe it wouldn't come together but no I don't get that with a lot of the films obviously we have gone through a filtering process for the festival to make sure Mm. that we are picking some of the best films that we've seen over the last year um but yeah the ones that we are getting are just yeah really really incredible mm. um very very happy uh before we do jump into the reviews just want to uh, again mention medi cinema we talked about them in the first episode of the festival specials nice. um yeah a great cause and it's something we're just going to be regularly shouting out uh during the um festival and, and mm-hmm. pointing you to them hopefully we will actually get someone on from uh medi yeah, cinema It'd be good. great to have yeah. a chat with them and just learn a bit more about you know uh, what they do and, and the great cause that they are. So um, yeah, just wanted to bring bring that up, and also to let everyone know that festival passes are now on sale. Um, so you can head over to ukfilmreview.co.uk, and there should be a very easy button for you to click to get to where you need to go. Um, and passes will include access to all the films. So that's every film. We're hoping to have fifty plus films. Um, we've selected about 80 um but there is always the issues of getting hold of these films uh, from the filmmakers <laughs> mm. you know, the vast majority of them have been great um mm. but we uh, we also have to appreciate that sometimes things have changed for the filmmakers because maybe they've decided to sort yeah. of put their film somewhere else or do something else with it but yeah um so over 50 uh, 50 films we're hoping there's a mixture of shorts features and documentaries so it's always a really good kind of eclectic mix uh, depending on what you're in the mood for uh, obviously, we're reviewing them all uh, across our podcast, so you'll be able to know what's coming and what to look out for. Uh, there's going to be like events and filmmakers being on access. And also, this year is the first year we're going to let the attendees, so anyone that wants to attend the festival, they can also submit a review. They can review the films that they're seeing, because we thought, mm. well, actually, we are UK Film Review, so why not let mm. everyone, you know, just put in their reviews we are a democracy aren't we after all we are um unless i'm not happy if i'm not happy then we're well, not yeah. a democracy naturally naturally yeah. of course right past you first yeah. sure yeah. yeah just drop me a memo i'm normally fine with it but if i've not eaten then i do tend to say no quite <laughs> okay. quickly. it does temper your mood slightly doesn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough um but yeah so that's the festival and um 
tonight or whenever you're listening. I always say tonight because that's when me and Brian record because I like to have a little um, little drop of whiskey while I chat to Brian. <laughs> um, when, uh, whenever you're listening to this, we'll be reviewing five films again, all official selections of the festival and all of which will definitely be appearing because we've got these films. Um, they are, we have access. So um, we're going to crack on with a few of them. And let's start with a little short called Making Beethoven Proud. Directed by Brian Norton, and a really interesting piece. Obviously, from the title, you can gather that there's an element of classical music here. Mm. Um, and we see a, this uh, sort of high school character who is very talented at the, the piano, and we see him sort of as part of the school orchestra. Uh, he is also the victim of bullying, and unfortunately, during one particular vicious assault he ends up losing his his hearing or at least having some kind of hearing issue mm. um and then he needs to sort of see what that world then looks like following that uh, attack given the fact that he is what some would class as a prodigy um brian what do you think i really like this i mm, think it was enough. really it was really enjoyable and it it got to the point very quickly well it has to I guess when you look at the time, the time scale, it's only eight minutes long. But um, this to me is a very, it's a frightening story really in some ways, because there you've got this child prodigy, this someone who has a unique talent in music, um, suddenly loses a vital tool in that gift, i.e. their hearing. And they, they're no longer able to explore that gift and share that gift. And it goes through the, the agonies that, this child faces, realising that his hearing may affect that ability, that gift. And in some ways, um, Crashing Metal, the film with Riz Ahmed in, sprung to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, because both musicians, both rely on pitch-perfect hearing, really, if you're a musician. More acute for a, a classically trained musician. And it gets all of this in. But you, you feel a strong sense of drama. And you feel for him, insofar that you know, it's not impossible for someone to make music when their hearing's affected, but you can't appreciate pitch and tone anymore in music. So that would affect his ability to play the piano. And you, your heart goes out to him. As that character, that character feels very real and you feel very sympathetic towards that character. Um, and he was, I mean, you can you can read around it, right? You can read around the sort of storyline and the visuals, and it's not unusual for a gifted child to be uh, 
picked on by classmates because they're jealous of that ability. They're mm. jealous of the fact that he's held up as an example of what uh, a good student should behave like, someone who's very good at something. And that does, you know, it's people will admire it, admire him, but they will also be jealous of it. And I think that's kind of one of life's truths, though, isn't it? Is that you can be resented for a talent and for a gift. And this is what can happen if um, someone doesn't take too kindly to it. So um, very good, though. Very, as I say, a short burst, but um, very sort of gripping, dramatic. It's a very good piece. I was impressed with it. Yeah, I obviously echo the points you've made. I think one thing that really struck me with the film was its use of um, non-dialogue and Mm. how that was so key to getting across the emotion of the story and the the power of this character in terms of what they were going through, seeing him kind of like rage in the rooms and things after he finds out and after what, after he sort of goes to the hospital, um, they were made all the more powerful because they weren't giving you the dialogue. Like he's sitting there and listening to the doctor talk to his mum and he can't hear what they're saying. And there's no subtitles for that bit, which is perfect because you yeah. don't want them to be. The whole point of that is, you know, what would you do? Well, if that was you in that scenario, yeah. like, because they give the first person camera a shot, I think. Yeah. Like that. And I thought that was really great. His performance, uh, yeah, the main um, actor, sorry, I don't know his name. Let me, let me look it up. Hold on. Uh, Sebastian Ron. And I think he was excellent, really um, emotive, you know, facial mm. expressions and, and obviously talented, I'm guessing, at the piano, unless he's faked yeah. it. Um, yeah, no, it was. I I think when he then has the after the assault, it's almost as if his gift had kind of become more enhanced. I thought yeah. like it was like they were making it into like oh it's it it's uh yeah cranked the amp up on on this yeah. on on how he feels and and how good he is. So yeah. I thought it was an interesting take. Yeah, I think I think the that scene where where you could hear what he could hear. Uh, mm. Where his mother was talking to the specialist, um, that that's a very telling scene within the piece because you think, right, okay, that's what he's been reduced to. That's how frightening hear loss, a loss of hearing, can be. Where you, I mean, the fact he's a gifted musician, a prodigy, makes makes it even worse, I suppose. But you get some idea of what it would feel like to be in his shoes, and that's a clever piece of filmmaking, is to is to let us, the audience, hear what he can hear. So I think that's a clever, that's a smart touch, really. And it makes it even more convincing. There was one bit which I did kind of chuckle a bit to myself, which which is not a film to chuckle in, but it just did no. because he... Um, so at the beginning of the film, he, he pours his cereal out and eats his cereal. And I remember thinking when he did it, I was like, that's a small bowl of cereal. I'd eat way more than that. <laughs> How are you, is that all you're going to eat for the day, young man? I thought I'd eat, I'd eat about four of those at least. Yeah. And then later on, yeah. there's a scene where he pours out loads because he didn't notice that it was pouring out because of his hearing. And it's like a yeah. massive bowl of cereal. And he, he obviously yeah. is absolutely horrified that he's poured out so much. And I sat there thinking, I'd eat that easily. <laughs> I know. It's, this is it. It's just those little sort of juxtapositions particularly with visuals that you can pick up on mm. and that, that's what I think I, is so great about short films when they're well made is that they will put lots of little sort of signatures in you know just to see if you're watching properly and it's just little visuals like that if you watch closely they put them in you know and you could say it works even better because of that 
because you mm. picked up what might appear to be a minor uh, feature, a minor sort of point in the narrative, but you've noticed it. Uh, and that's, I think that's really smart. And it's it's a nice signature to put in throughout a short piece like that because you're finding something unique, you're finding something very smart. So I like that. It's good. And yeah, you're right. You're not supposed to laugh at it, really. But um, I think you know, it that... just, it's one of those things. That unfortunately, you know, everyone comes to films with their own baggage, and one of the baggages that I have is that I always get told that my bowls of cereal are way, way too big. Like if you look at the what they make the recommended serving size, and I'm like, that's not going to feed an adult. That's well, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. I mean, what passes for a portion of food these days is just ridiculous. I don't know how you could survive really on what they accept as a regular portion. I mean, um, that must be wasting away people. I, d- I, I don't know. understand. That's my worry. I mean, you look at you look at um, you. If you ever don't feel, if ever you don't feel like cooking, in the, and you go to the supermarket and you look for a ready meal, right? You think meal for one? No way is that a meal for one. You pick up two, mm-hmm. and you have both because because oh, yeah. one on its own often doesn't make a meal. And I, whilst that sounds slightly greedy, I think it just illustrates the point that portion sizes are all relative, aren't they? Really, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think one. One portion these days is not enough. Not Not if you want to grow up big and strong. Well, to kind of bring that in, you know, one portion of making Beethoven proud may not be enough because it's only an eight-minute film. At the festival, you can watch it as many times as you want. That's right, over and over again. You could have eight servings of the film. You can watch Um, it over and over again. Exactly. I think also it's one of those films, because of the non-dialogue, element and the music element it is actually quite an enjoyable piece to just kind of have on obviously you want to engage with the plot and the story and the characters but when you've done that it's also a film because i obviously i watched it a couple of days ago and i've just went back and rewatched it again before we we've chatted yeah. and i just found myself just kind of enjoying it, other aspects like the the cinematography and mm. the score and things that obviously because the first time you really want to know the story what's going to happen yeah. but then you are able to rewatch it and enjoy it a bit more and funny enough i've watched it twice and i completely forgot about that riz ahmed film the sound of metal i i which is mental really the fact that i haven't I, remembered that I, well so i only remember well the interesting thing though chris is that i only re- it only occurred to me after i watched the film i think maybe about an hour or so afterwards i thought oh, hang on a minute that reminds me of crashing metal with riz ahmed because the storyline is basically the same um, is it crashing metal or is it sound of metal? I thought sound of metal. metal. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So you crashing said it earlier, metal. and I thought, is he? I then then it, when you said Riz Ahmed, I was like, oh, it's got. It can't be two films of Riz Ahmed. No, this is hearing. Not crashing. No. Sorry. Sorry. I stand corrected. Sound of metal. That's it. Yeah. Uh, it was in crashing metal. Then. Oh, anyway, we'll come back. To that. <laughs> we we yeah. digress. <laughs> yeah, we digress. <laughs> but no, that's definitely the film. Yeah. Um, but it, it does cover a, a similar theme, but it shows how you can condense what is really a similar story into a very short space of time. And that's that's impressive as well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I just want to you know, just reiterate um, the film, yeah, Making Beethoven Proud. Really great story, powerful mm. emotions going on here. It was written by uh, Samuel Breedlove. So, yeah, check it out if you can. Um, our review is live of that film. And obviously, we're going to be screening it at the um, festival. We'll be also releasing some trailers and things, so you can check that out too. Um, but yeah, well worth your time. And it's only eight minutes, so actually, everyone can spare that. I couldn't eat, 
eat a bowl of cereal in that time. <laughs> well, you want to take your time, don't you? As well. Yeah, especially if I've got eight portions. Yeah. Um, the next film we're going to review is a, a quirky little interesting film called Kowalski. This is the film from Luxembourg, isn't it? It is. Now, yeah. do you want to take the lead on this one, Brian? Yeah, why not? Um, so what we have is a once wealthy family, the Kowalskis. Um, their fortune is gradually dwindling. And the only son goes to his widowed mother, asking for help, asking for, for money to prop the business up. And a nasty row ensues between the pair um and it it leads to a series of of, uh, of incidents shall we say um that um bring the story to uh an unusual conclusion i think in some ways but a very entertaining portrayal of what money and greed can can do to people i think but Good fun, actually. Very good fun. It's got subtitles. It's in, I think it's German, isn't it? I think the subtitles are German. Yep. It's in, the language is in German, but it's got subtitles. Yeah. And I suppose you'd, you'd loosely class it as satire, um, but it explores some lots of interesting themes. As I said, it's it deals with, with wealth and greed and the relationship between mother and son. Um, but I think the, the ending isn't quite what I expected. I don't know about you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was great. I really enjoyed this film. Uh, it was so eccentric and mixing you know, comedy and horror in a really engaging way. I just found, like I said, I think it's definitely satire because there's plenty of moments of comedy. And it doesn't really go in any direction you kind of expect it to because it's very hard to, to get. Yeah. Um, but I thought that what it reminded me of was actually sort of things like the League of Gentlemen. Um, yeah. That sort yeah. of quirky, dark mm. comedy that's bordering on horror that it, it worked for me. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the two performances were brilliant, very engaging. Um, I could really you know, picture this relationship, you know, this sort of like uh, familiar issues that have been going on because like you said because of the greed and stuff i mean i mean you're one to talk brian with your double ready meals hey well yeah um, <laughs> i know but i mean I, I i do what only i need to do to survive chris exactly. yeah. two shepherd's pies yeah so uh yeah i thought that that was played out really well it could easily have been a feature i think you there's more yeah. so much more here to unpick and yeah like you say that you get to the that final section i really don't know that I didn't think that was going to happen. No, um, I know. But you see, the thing is, though, it, it kind of catches you out, which is what I like. I like to be surprised because, look, you sit down and watch any film, right? You're going to think to yourself, 
you get 10 minutes, half an hour into it, however long the film is. And when you get to a certain point in the film, you, think, you start kind of predicting in your own mind what's going to happen next, right? And with this particular film, you think, I know what's going to happen here, right? But it doesn't end that way. And I like to be surprised, you know, and it's, I sometimes wonder whether the director's trying to second guess the, what the audience is thinking. Because I, I like that kind of, that interplay where the director's really thinking about what the audience's reaction is going to be. Yeah. And it it kind of it kind of takes you down a path that's surprising. But, you know, there are only so many ways a film can finish, really. Sometimes, some films, you can't finish them properly, depending on the subject matter. But, you know, you think this kind of scenario, this setup, you think, oh, it's like it can only go one way. But, um, you know, it's... It, it's quite dark, it's very stylish, and it's well shot. And I agree that I think it, it had potential to be to be a feature uh, and to be a lot longer. And you feel that you want to know more about these characters. You feel like you want to know um, who the father was, who the grandfather mm. was, because you imagine that the Kowalskis were a well-established family, business family. Um, and you think, I'd like to know more about them. You know, so another good good point, in this film is it leaves you wanting more it leaves you sort of being, being curious so um that's a big tick for me uh, like because it is making you feel feel curious i like that there was this sort of um infestation going on in the house at the yeah. same time as these sort of <laughs> yeah i thought that was good actually it was yeah. like a nice tie-in to the fact that they're sort of their whole family relationship seemed sort of infested as you said yeah sort of uh, selfishness and you know, the guy wanting to sort of just do uh, help himself uh, that I thought that that again it felt rich it felt that there was a lot here to unpack but yeah. not in a way that felt oh okay yeah of course they're doing that it, it just it, it really really worked um, yeah. I found it like the fact that it was a bit ambiguous about the other characters that just yeah. made it more like addictive that you're trying yeah. to watch it and um, yeah I was just totally engrossed yeah really loved it I think that's a good point there, though, about the um, the infestation that the house had, and you've got in between the the, uh, the friction between the mother and son, you've got the one of the workers coming in in, in that orange sort of boiler suit type thing, mm. sort of saying, "Oh, you've got this problem, you've got that. What, what do you want us to do about it?" Sort of thing. You think, you know, there's a lot of poison flying around in that house, and it's not just in the bricks and mortar; it's between the two of them. <laughs> and there's a good analogy going on there. I like that as well. Uh, now, whether that was intentional or not, I don't know, but that's that's the way it came across. So you've got a good visual representation going on there of how bad the relationship is between the two of them and the, you know, the um, the uh, infestation people are kind of there trying to put right what's wrong in the house. You think there's something worse uh, going on between them. So I think that's an interesting sort of um, contrast. Yeah. So, yeah, very good. Enjoyed it. Yeah, so um, it's directed by Emil V. Schlesser, and um, yeah, it's another short film, um, and only 13, 14 minutes, so really worth your time, because like I said, if you're a fan of things like League of Gentlemen and Psychoville, you know, those kind of yeah. serials, I think you'll get a big kick out of it, and actually, you know, I said, obviously, it could be a feature, but it may also even work as a series, as you know, a series mm. of sort of yeah. episodes where you do find you know, out more about more characters and things like that. Obviously, this is us just sort of talking about whether or not that's anything the, the filmmaker wanted to do is, is another question, but mm. I think there is a lot there, and that's sometimes 
is really great when you come across a short film like this that you sort of feel like, oh yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd have more of that. Like, let yeah. me let me get into more of that. And you know, I think definitely yeah. with Kowalski, I felt that. I think that's always a good sign. I mean, f- for them from the director's point of view, if we can sit down and watch that and come to that conclusion where you think, right, this would make a great series, or this would make a, a great feature, and we recognise that potential, you know, that's that's a feather in the cap of the director to be able to, if we're saying that, because we want to see more, that the characters are interesting enough. Because you could watch a short film and say, yeah, that's good as far as it goes, but it doesn't go anywhere beyond that. You can't imagine it going any further than that. But there are some short films that do make you think, right, this could go, go to other places. And in your own mind, you start writing a sequel, a follow-up. And if we're thinking in those terms, that shows... Um, how well made it, it is and how well written it is. Absolutely. There we go. So that was Kowalski. Again, available at this year's UK Film Review Festival. Next up, we're going to be talking about another short film called Green Lanes. So how did you two meet? Mm. Um, at uni. Oh, I hope you don't mind me asking, where are your parents from? Oh, they came over from Hong Kong in the 70s. And what do you study? Um, law. Your parents must be very proud of you. Well, yeah, I hope so. I've still got to pass some tough exams. When I came to this country, I didn't have the opportunities that you young people have. See? That's what you should be doing. You mean if I didn't drop out? Yusuf. Any opportunities you had, son, you wasted it. Time's running out. You can't keep pulling pints in the pub. Like I don't know. Yusuf. Mm. Um, now, the director is also the writer here. I think it's co-directed, to be fair. Um, and he also stars in the film. Mm. Um, yeah, he plays the main character. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, the reason why I say that is because I like this film, but we'll get into why I like this film just shortly. It's just I just want to bring up the sort of one of my very quick points about that. That it was a film that I knew the director was in it because I, when we watch these short films, and quite often, you know, there are like passion projects, and they mm. are, you know doing a lot of the different roles themselves. Mm. I find that when you get a really, really good cast, but one person seems like they're a bit, it's a harsh word, but a bit wooden, it's because they don't have anyone directing them. And I yeah. think that's, what, that's my one criticism with Green Lanes. I'll get into all the things I like about it in a minute, but I, just, I thought I'd bring that up because I, I guessed that he was the director and I was right. Yeah. Um, and that's because I felt like when he was doing his lines, I was like, yeah, there's no one here telling him like how to be more in the scene. It felt yeah. like he, he knew the lines like you know, and he knew what he needed to do and he stuck to it. Whereas yeah. actors often are able to be a bit freer of that. You know, They're not so involved in the process that yeah. they're able to maybe develop and bring their own spin to the character yeah. that I didn't get from his. But what, how did you feel about Green Lanes? Yeah, I, I enjoy Green Lanes. I thought it was a, a very good 
good film, very very neat, very well contained and well written, well observed. I think you make an interesting point though about the director starring in the film as well, um, because I always do wonder for a director. If I was a director, I don't think I could appear in the film. I would have to be on one side of the camera or the other for me personally, and I think it's I think it's a, a challenge to sort of write direct and star in the film because as you say nobody's directing you nobody's telling you how to stand how to sit how to talk how to emphasize certain points right and you can't really direct yourself and i think in some ways he he did come across as a more minor character although really in the context of the film he was the main character you know when you look at the the subject matter of the film where he plays the guy who takes his girlfriend home to meet his parents after a long gap. Um, and it, it brings to light the death of an older brother. And he feels responsible for the death of that older brother. But all the acting honours really go to the, I think, go to the father, the actor that plays the father. Yeah, he, he's great, isn't he? He's very good. And the, the best lines, I think he's given the best lines to the father. You know, there is one line in the film where where he they're sitting down, and of course they're both estranged. The, the mother had emotional issues after the elder son died, and they're they're sitting down and they're talking. And he says to him at one point, "What happens to one of us happens to all of us." Oh, I'm sure. I thought if Brian says that line, I know I did a good job because I wrote <laughs> that line down as well. But I isn't that like, a bit? It's a beautiful line. Really it's a beautiful line. line, Chris, because that really defines what a family is. You know, that, you know, you kick one of us, we all limp. You, that's what a family is. You stick together. And that, to me, was the most telling line in that piece. And it, for me, it made it uh, a great film, a great short film uh, yeah, because I, of that. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, um, I brought up the, the acting just early on because I knew that I, I wanted to get that out of the way because actually I had so much of this film that I really did love. Um, I think the parents' dynamic was really great. I really enjoyed mm. the you know, she, the mum's obviously going through PTSD and a lot of mental issues, mm. um, mental health issues to do with losing her eldest son. The father seems to be in a place of half, obviously, care for, for his wife but then yeah. maybe being angry and a bit bitter and which he lashes out at his son uh you know, as you say he does the son does become the main character because actually we sort of realized that his hang-ups about his brother dying have not yet been dealt with either if anything mm. he's very much yeah. trying to elude them and then it takes this character of the, the new girlfriend fiona to sort of bring him out Mm. And and to realise that there's something going on, something you know, that he's not dealing with and he's not facing, and then we get this sort of shift where the father, who was sort of quite a nasty character to begin with, mm. you sort of realise that maybe maybe he's not. Um, I I thought it was really powerful, really great storytelling yeah, in a way that you know, it's dealing with some very heavy themes, really bold kind of um, plots that to go full throttle in a fairly short space of time, uh, you know, it's only a quarter of an hour film yeah. that it's, I love it when filmmakers do that because, you know, yeah. some filmmakers would struggle to tell this story in an hour and a half. You know, they would just you know, really mess yeah. it up. And I think the filmmakers here do a great job. So it's directed by a uh, Goonie Kochak and Marie 
Grish. I'm hoping I'm saying this correctly. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, uh, based on Kojak's uh, story, I think that that is real testament to what can be done. Um, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't even just stay in one room because that, you know, sometimes when you get these family dramas, they think, well, mm. why, we don't need to go anywhere else. We can have this all in one room or, yeah. or two rooms, they, but they do move around a bit. They do kind of play a bit. It doesn't, it's not going all over the place, but I think I liked that it wanted to make it feel like a mini film and it yeah. did. Um, I thought it, it was great. Really good. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think it's, it's it's impressive, I think, to um, deal with all those issues that affect a family when when they uh, endure a sudden loss. You know, we all have our own way of dealing with grief when it happens, but when a family has to deal with a sudden death, of possibly violent death, from of someone very young, you're dealing with another set of issues related to grief because it becomes even more intense than it normally would be. And they managed to include that. They managed to put that in there uh, amongst all the other sort of strands of the story they're trying to incorporate. And it's quite an achievement. And I, I'm always impressed by um, the quality you can maintain um, in a limited time frame. You know, Corvin has nothing really. You know, I mean, how many how many lines in a script would there be for a fifteen minute film? A hundred, maybe even less than that. Fifty or sixty? It's you know, it's not a lot. When you when you have to incorporate reactions as well, and then you get another line going in, it's not it's not a lot to tell a story in. But to do that and to give it an end to end feel, I think, is a great achievement. I think so, and you know, it's it's a really kind of emotive and personal feeling film i think that's what came across when i was listening when i was watching it and to do that in a way that effectively brings you into this very somber you know almost harrowing kind of atmosphere and keep you there and engaged and all the way through with characters that are all very well sketched as well they've all got enough meat on the bones to sort of mm. make you care about them all you have the girlfriend uh the mom the dad the, the, the son i think that's a real testament to the to the writing i think it's yeah. very very good writing here yeah i know I, i'd agree with that completely um and also I, I think that whilst you wouldn't call it necessarily a happy ending but the characters find peace at the end and i think that's always encouraging to, to end on a, a more positive note um, because, you know, you, you look at the, the issues that we deal with in society. Um, we are living in a very angry and confrontational uh, society and that we often don't get happy endings. We often don't find the peace of mind that we're looking for. Mm. So there is a film, in my opinion, uh, gives the character, leaves you with the characters finding some peace. And I think that's important. Fantastic. So that film was called Green Lanes. Uh, yeah, again, another short. Check it out at the festival and yeah, read the review online, uh, see what our critics made of it. Uh, next up, we're going to do another short. This is called Honey Dough. Lonely, sad, pathetic. Make your very own dough companion out of Honey Dough. 
thick enough to make a man out of dough. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Amazing, but he's still. See where Brian, how, yeah, just from that, yeah, I'm interested to see your, your thoughts. I, well, well, look, look, did I enjoy it? Yeah, of course I did. It, it was good. It was good fun. But the premise, you know, you have to have an open mind. With any film that you watch, you have to have an open mind. Um, but, you know, the, the storyline here, I, I didn't, I wasn't totally on board with it, right? Suspend your, your disbelief. Right, and just accept it with a completely open mind. This is this is what you might call a dark comedy, uh, essence of rom com, possibly, um, about a woman who's in a flat alone, spending a, a lonely night in, just realised that her best friend's got engaged. She doesn't have a man, so what does she do? She rummages through the cupboard and finds. Um, a mixture for a cake. Um, she bakes up that cake, and lo and behold, what do we get? <laughs> we we get uh, an instant date for her. This handsome man suddenly emerges, and they have a date night. And well, that's it, really. Uh, I mean, I suppose when, <laughs> the ending was odd for me. I think, how do you end a film like that, really? Let's be honest. Um, Look, it's, it's pure comedy for me, and it works up to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, you think, where can it... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Go. You know, I, I, I don't suppose it needs to because it sells the gag. But here's where, where I th what, what I think the limitation is with it, is that it's one gag. And once that one gag's been delivered, you feel that's it. But that one gag works perfectly well by itself. But I wasn't entirely convinced, to be honest. But, you know, it, good fun. Good fun. I think, I because I, I did enjoy it. Um, I thought it was funny. And 
I think you're right. You know, the, the gag is that obviously you know, the idea of faking yourself a partner, that's mm. the, the thing. And obviously it's taking place on Valentine's Day and mm. she's you know, very, like you say, it's got those rom-com elements, her yeah. being at home, drinking the big glass of wine and you know, getting all kind of morose and then finds this thing and ends up faking herself a partner. And then I actually thought the ending was kind of okay because I thought it was sort of like the idea that he was going off the cake's going off and uh don't really want to ruin it but i think that's sort of yeah i, I thought <laughs> well, it kind of work um yeah uh, interesting yeah. To, to point out with this one again we have a situation where we've got the director who's the writer who's the star mm. so she plays jackie uh the, the character uh, sorry the, the person's name the filmmaker is jillian vipko mm. and i actually i think i enjoyed her performance pretty much throughout she does get i think slightly over the top at times i think maybe mm. she could have been reined in but it felt like a kind of film that was very small scale like it, it is yeah. sort of, it looks like it's been filmed in someone's house they've propped the camera up you know yeah. it sort of feels like that kind of thing and it also reminded me of like old school sketch shows you yeah, know that it, it, could, it would fit perfectly in as a sketch yeah. amongst a load of other funny uh, sketches yeah I, I think yeah i think you've nailed it there i think it it does come across a bit like a, a sketch something you would see in a half hour show where you've got maybe 10 or 12 other similar sketches, you know, in juxtaposition, but it, you know, it works reasonably well, but you know, with the type of mindset I have, I, I, I kind of start picking it apart and you think, Oh, you could have said that you could have done that, you know, but in terms of the resources that were available, the limited budget they must have had, because as you say, it's all in the same room, basically, um it's a short film so you know there's only so much you can do uh, but I, maybe i just expected a, a little bit more but you know did i enjoy it yeah of course bottom line is did you get something out of it did you enjoy it were you entertained by it yes but it's only one gag when all said and done that's the only point i would make about that really yeah i'm, I'm always very um reluctant to watch comedies I, I find for me trying to find something that will actually make me laugh is very rare really mm. rare that a film will actually make me laugh i think this made me sort of chuckle a few times yeah. i kind of chuckled a few times i think that's because it it knew what it, it was doing it said that this is this is the premise this is the the setup and yeah. it's going to go there fairly quickly it, you know it's, it's coming in less than 10 minutes and it needed to do that yeah. i i didn't love all of the dialogue i'm not sure it, it sort of would have stood up for much longer i thought you know, no, it's I, gonna, yeah. I think even maybe potentially overstaying it's welcome actually yeah. that i think that it's a good concept to have sort of tried as a sketch and yeah. then just go yeah, yeah it's, it's fun and, and you know, we're having a good time here the the the, the writing is is good but yeah it needs to be I think more, um, I don't know, it's hard because I always find with American comedies, and I am generalizing, but American mm. comedies don't get me in the same way that British comedies do. Yeah. That Where no, there's a bit more kind of like maybe wit at play, yeah. where there's more wit. I, and that sounds like I'm being sort of overly harsh, but that's probably just my own sense of it. It's what I've grown up watching, yeah. you know, grown up watching those sort of you know, comedies. But I think... Yeah, but I think the thing is, though, Chris, that 
company is a very personal thing and we don't all laugh at exactly the same things. And I think there is a very distinct British sense of humour and there is a distinct American sense of humour. Now, I mean, we would probably find American comedies funny, but I think for me, British comedies do it more, do it in a different way and they plug into something more instinctive with me. Um, so I think there is a difference. I think there is a difference. You know, Ken Dodd used to talk about a gag, something funny. It's either a, a woofer or a belter, right? A belter is one of those laugh out loud, loud moments. But a woofer is that kind of, <laughs> you know, it's that type of thing. So this is more like a kind of a woofer than a belter. You, using English phraseology here, and I'm not a huge fan of Ken Dodd, but it, he made an interesting point insofar that certain gags will fall into certain categories. And this doesn't necessarily deliver laugh-out-loud moments for me. But you smile, it's good fun. That's that's really, really the strength of it, really. And actually, you know, one of the benefits of the festival for us, because it's online, is that anyone can attend from anywhere in the world. And I definitely think when it comes to comedy it's very regional. Like I think people, yeah. you, you grow up in, within the community and you know, what you find funny and what we find funny is very different to around the world that I could see this maybe hitting harder with American audiences. So if there are Americans watching at the festival, howdy, uh, it'd be great mm. to hear what they think. You know, you can review the film, you know, tell yeah. us, you know, you Brits or what do they call us? What do they call us? It's not Brits. Well, I'm sure they call it. The limeys? Limeys, that's or right. Is that yeah, Australians call us? I can't yeah, no, no, no. They call us limeys. The Australians call us poms, don't they? Oh, okay. But the Americans call us call us limeys. Which, by the way, guys, if you are listening, we we don't care. It really doesn't yeah, offend us. We don't, like, we don't I, mind. Someone we, called me a limey before, and I think, oh, it's limey. What he's up to? I was like, you know where that comes from, though, don't you? Uh, scurvy. Yeah, James Cook, the the uh, naval explorer, realised that. Um, lemons uh given to sailors could could uh stop scurvy and he used lemons and limes to to keep his crew healthy hence limeys isn't that interesting yeah and in terms of that being an insult it's like wait a minute yes it's a a compliment really we cured scurvy yeah but we we welcome all all these handles with with good humor don't we we do absolutely yeah. but yeah but i'd just be interested to know how this lands with american audiences and, and how they feel about you know because also i i feel that americans make a slightly bigger deal of valentine's day than what we do over here yeah so i feel that maybe those emotions and the things that the main character is going through are going to be more relatable to yeah. a, a society that maybe puts more of a, a meaning behind yeah. Valentine's because over here it is very much like you get the mns meal deal and crack on like that's it <laughs> yeah. um you know it's, there's not much more to it than that i know yeah uh, no i think you're right i think the americans go it's a bit like um halloween isn't it the americans are mad about halloween just in the same way they're mad about valentine's day but and, halloween is essentially me just making sure every light is off in the house so no one trick-or-treats yeah so everyone thinks you're out so oh, they're not yeah. going to knock on your door yeah, yeah i know i've yeah. had it once i had it once in my old house and someone knocks at the door and this was when, actually, it was most, my house was the kitchen at the front. And they, <laughs> they oh, shouted right. through the door. They said, I know you're in there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know anything prepared, so I just had to come yeah. out and just give them some crisps. That yeah. sounds to me like they're getting into character there. Are you sure they weren't making a short film? 
I was uh, <laughs> I was a bit worried to be honest. I know you're in there. It's a bit sinister to be honest. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's all good. But no, I think, yeah, I think that's true. There might be more resonance for American audiences. Also, I think the, the film is probably more visual, concentrates on more visual humour than, than verbal humour as well, which I thought struck me as, as I was watching it. I did like um, Gillian Vitko's performance. I think yeah. she was sort of doing it well in that sort of character who's on their own. And, I, you know, much like me on Halloween, you know, going a bit crazy when you're on your yeah. own, kind of worrying about um, your life and, and you know having yeah. having too much time to think. Yeah, and too think much time that, on your hands. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, by all means, yeah, it'd be great to hear what people yeah. think uh, about Honey Doe. Um, we like it. It's a good film. Just be interesting to know whether or not the laughs flow. Yeah. Or if the laughs rise, you know, yeah. going with a bacon. Oh, that's before. very good. Yeah, I saw what you did there. Yeah, oh, I saw I mean, what you did there. I had to yeah. explain it so it's not as funny. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that does take the the energy out of it a bit when you've got to explain the gag. Yeah, tell people why it's funny. But I got it, Chris. There we go. And you and you laughed, you know, amicably and yes. agreeably, and that's basically why you're here, Brian. I need uh, to make of sure. Of course, that I know. I I know. I have my uses, Chris. You feed my ego. <laughs> um, next up. And lastly, on this episode, is the uh, feature film, Where the Merrows Roam. Mm. Now, I am going into this, obviously, we haven't, we don't liaise before our episode. No, we, we don't. Not. We don't compare no. notes or anything. I mean, no, 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 no. don't know. And no. I am absolutely dying to know what you thought of this one. Go on, Brian. Uh, do, do you know, look, first thing I'd say about it is, again, look, it's an Irish film, and they have got a fantastic resource available in Ireland. They've got breathtaking visual landscapes. And it's it's a gift, I think, to any filmmakers to think, right, we can just trundle around and we can get some great visuals in. That's the first thing that hits you about where the mirror's right. Um, it's very, uh, it's beautifully shot, uh, good soundtrack, lots of nice images mingling together. But it's, it's really what you would have to call a more experimental film, very interpretational. Mm. Um, it could al- almost be a, the type of film where you might say it means what you want it to mean, because it does put together lots of very strong random images. And I was trying to draw conclusions from what, because there was no scripts. There's no scripts. It's all visuals. Now, of course, you can tell a story without a script, but you're relying on the visuals to tell that story very clearly. But I don't think it always necessarily comes across that way because it will focus on certain characters going through certain phases. Um, you've got the um, the girl wandering uh, at the beginning in the opening frames, you know, is it, is it a metaphor? You know, is it saying, is she looking for a direction in life? And then you've got the young boy wandering the countryside with an air rifle and you see images of, a, of dead animals and you think, right, why is he shooting them? Then you've got images of somebody painting a boat and you think, right, what does that mean? And I'm really not sure <laughs> what this is really getting at, but in some ways that makes it more compelling. Because you, it makes you watch. Because as we said at the very beginning, where 
you can see so much care is being exercised over every frame to get it absolutely right, to capture these images. I mean, there are images of, of young kids riding along on bikes and you think, right, what is that saying? What, what am I getting from that? Um, and whilst it wasn't entirely clear, it, I think it was compelling. You had to watch it. But I'm not entirely certain what it was getting at, for sure. Um, I don't know what you think. Well, me and experimental films don't have a great track record. I am a stickler for knowing what to, what's going on. Like, I, I, I do struggle. I remember um, going to the BFI once to watch uh, David Lynch's Eraserhead. Oh, and right, yeah. I, I've only seen it once, and it was one of the most grueling experiences of my life. It's <laughs> heavy going, isn't it, to say the least? I was just... <laughs> when when will it stop like that was basically what I was muttering by about sort of halfway through um and i you know i, I know there's lots and lots of people that say, oh, it's a great film you know there's always stuff about it. it's always things and it's because of that that i think i find it a bit hard sometimes to get into experimental films and i i, I do try because mm. as you were saying in, in your review there that what's so great about experimental cinema often is that it's far more open to interpretation, far more you know flexible in terms of what you want it to mean. Whereas with a narrative story, there is only often one way you can take it. Obviously there's themes mm. and subplots and things which you can unpick, but mm. if there's a narrative that you're trying to get to, whereas with this, it is far more um, evasive in terms of what things mean. I, I Obviously I've read up about the film, I've read a few reviews and I, I read the, the filmmaker's statement. So I do have a lot more like uh, knowing what it's about, mm. but I, I'm not going to bring that up. And I think that's important because I think it's one of those films that, for people that do really enjoy experimental cinema, they can go in not knowing that and take so much out of it, you know, for whatever, uh, in whichever way they want to. Mm. But I, as you say, the the landscape and the scenery is just absolutely mesmerizing. You're watching this mm. film, you just like it is like a it's like a cocktail of sensations, just visually and audibly. Mm. Um, Ninety percent of the score is absolutely beautiful. Oh, and, I loved and really it. Great. I it was great. The score there was great. Yeah. There was one bit of the score that I didn't like, and this is very typical when you've got non-dialogue films. Because again, it's actually a, you know, a second film that's got big. You know, this is all non-dialogue. Mm. Um, there is a bit of the score where they're they're clanging on something, um, and it, it, that that brought me back to Eraserhead a bit. I was like, oh, the score in Eraserhead. I was, oh, it's horrible. Um, mm. But it, yeah, it was. It was just it, it took me out of the the moment. I was like, oh, who's making that annoying noise? Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. What they've done there is someone's been given a bit too much liberty with the, the score. Um, yeah. But but other than that, like I said, ninety percent of it is actually gorgeous. It's, it's brilliant it's, to look at. It's lovely it's to look at, at. and the, the yeah. sound does work. It's just that bit. There was one bit, uh, and I think it gets repeated later on. The same yeah. bit of music, but um, it's one of those films that as soon as it sets in. You know you're in safe hands. You're like yeah. they've they've they know how to capture the scenery. They know how to do the visuals. The editing is just like a tapestry. There's so much editing going yeah. on here because there's like all these tiny little shots and scenes and um you know, a bit of where the, like there's like a fox on the floor and yeah. there's the and badger, a badger. And the, yeah, a badger, yeah. And one of the things that came across to me, and I don't know if this was intentional, was 
there obviously you've got this beautiful natural landscape and all mm. these amazing it's a lot of it's on the coast and water yeah. and things like that mm. but then you've got these rusted pots and ships and man-made yeah. elements that are all yeah. kind of crumbling and it was picking up some kind of like environmental yeah theme. i thought yeah i thought that as well that it that is it making a an a uh a statement about the ecology about the planet mm. you know i mean as i was going through like like yourself i mean I'll, I'll be making notes as i go along and words that i was jotting down as i was watching it is i had sort of key phrases like direction discovery simplicity and also i actually noted down environment as well mm. um which d- did seem to be a theme there or or was it you know i mean there was one scene uh, that now I'm not saying that, that it's not entertaining, it is. But like you, I, I like convention, really. I'm used to that. I know where I am. I mean, if, if when we were talking about um, the, the first film, uh, was it Making Beethoven Proud? That made it obvious what the film was driving at mm. without a script. This particular film... Uh, does without the scripts and he's relying on the visuals and it wasn't quite as obvious for me and but it was beautifully made you know as you say tapestry is a good word to describe this uh, but there were certain scenes that were totally random I thought why is that there and there was a, a girl uh, holding a cat that looked really overweight do you know the bit I mean it, yeah <laughs> was that I thought now what does that mean <laughs> now look, maybe from the director's point of view that was the intention, is to, to get you thinking, to make it mean whatever you want it to mean. Um, maybe he's doing the, the uh, director's equivalent to a Paul Weller, who's writing a song with lyrics that uh, are not meant to make any sense, but you get out of it what's important to you. And maybe that's the way. But, you know, there's no denying it's highly watchable and you can't take your eyes off the screen because you're trying to work out what it means or what you think the director means not what you think it means and i i think the the, the contemplative i can't say that word that's a difficult <laughs> word that it makes you contemplative um and i think that that is the real success of a film like this where you are able to enter this sort of state of contemplating about what this film is about hmm. that what I found myself doing was drifting into reveries because you weren't having to keep up with the plot and you weren't worried about, oh, oh did I miss a bit of dialogue that I needed to, yeah. to know? That it, you could kind of go with it like a wave. You were kind of yeah. drifting with it. Yeah. And I really like that. And I definitely think there's something about this kind of like man's incompatibility with nature. I think it mm. was there. Or, or, or humans' uh, incompatibility with nature, because mm. there was some scenes where there was like a sander or a blowtorch, and yeah. they were really kind of grating. It was like almost like, oh gosh, like we've been given all this lovely picturesque kind of scenes, and then you get these these moments that really jolt you out of it. That for me, I, I'll, I'll give a spoiler warning here because I think this could be spoiler, but for me, it felt like that was talking about growing pains and and, and moments in our lives where we feel suddenly something dramatic has happened to us whether that's something like puberty or falling in love or or, or tragedy that I think 
for me, that's what the filmmaker was trying to do. Was it was like a reflection of yeah. life because you had this kind of childish. There's a child character with a cap gun running around, yeah. and then you've got this older character, and it did feel like trying to represent you know the different ages and the different yeah. parts of our lives, and in yeah. a way that was done almost in a a reverie like a dream way of going back yeah. if, if your mind was allowed to wander and you wouldn't remember yeah. things perfectly and you probably would remember the sort of striking visuals and the the yeah. um the sound effects but i think for me that's what i took from the film yeah no i think that's right i, I think if it if you could say anything is obvious in the plot it is that kind of sense of growing up because another key phrase that i noted down was innocence simplicity and the environment you know becoming accustomed to the world around you so all of that's going on there um now how i'd be interested to know right how right or how wrong we are about what we think <laughs> this film's about because i wouldn't i wouldn't mind um if the director said something no that wasn't what i meant that'd be great because it's a challenge, isn't it? He's, with experimental film, he's, he's challenging the viewer to say, right, what do you think I'm trying to say here? What what do you get from it? It'd be funny if he came back and said, so, sorry, the, to let everyone know, the, the writer and director is Colin Hickey. It'd be funny if, if Colin did come to you at some point and just say, Brian, look, actually, the uh, the Irish tourist board asked me to make that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say what... I, I'd say what, they could do a lot worse, though, couldn't they? They could. The, I mean, the, if you take out the images of the dead animals and the rusted boats, yeah, you're golden. Yeah, take those bits out. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, in some ways it does come across like that. It, again, going back to one of my earlier points about this film is that Irish filmmakers have got, have got a great gift in the, the Irish landscape. You've got some stunning visuals that you can use as a backdrop to tell a story. Well, we so, reviewed um, Coast Road, didn't we, in our first episode? That's right, yeah. And, and Coast and that Road, had, yeah. that was Cork, I think it was Cork, and um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely think um, you're you're 100 on about using that landscape to represent, you know, life and the the way we are and mm. what it means to be human in this kind of landscape. It really worked. I, except when I first put this film on. I did feel a bit sort of like, okay, here we go. Because <laughs> I could tell it what it was going to be. It was more of an artistic piece. Yeah. But I did find myself immersed. And I, that yeah. is an overused word in film criticism. Yeah, really. it is. Yeah. But I was. I And I know that because I was thinking about a lot of things that weren't related to what I was seeing. Yeah. So it was tapping into part of me that was making me kind of go places. And in the most kind of, uh, I, I can't believe I'm saying it in these kind of terms. It feels very mm. cliche. It is what art should be. It should have the ability to move you and transport yeah. you and take you to places yeah. within yourself because I, you're yeah. you're being so uh, affected by what you're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think you're right. I mean, you could almost say that this film is a bit like a painting, right? It's a painting on a wall, and there are no words in a painting. There are just visuals. And it's it's drawing you in. And it's asking you, what do you feel? What are you getting from it? This film is a bit like a painting. It's, it's like the equivalent on, on moving film. 
it's it's presenting you with an image, a series of images, and it's saying, "What do you think? What do you get from this?" We're not going to we're not going to make it easy for you. We're not going to give you a script. We're not going to give you words of any description. We're just going to give you images and tell us what you think. Now that's quite bold. I think that's uh, that's something I meant to say earlier on. This type of filmmaking, I think, is very bold. It takes a lot of guts to put something like this on film and make it work. And he has done. He's made it work. But a lot of people will look at it and be confused and be bemused by it all. But I think you need an open mind and think, right, let's just... And it, just what you were saying when you're contemplating something and it sends you off to a different place. You might momentarily leave what you're seeing, but you come back to it again. And there's something very... It's almost hypnotic in some ways, what he's doing there. So... Very clever piece of filmmaking, but um, whilst it, it wouldn't be the type of film that I would naturally be drawn to, because I'm very conventional, uh, perhaps conservative in my taste, I don't know, but it's not the type of film I would normally be drawn to. But where you're in a position where we think we're going to talk about this, we need to review it, then I'll watch it. But it's surprising. It's surprising how it how it grabs you. And I think you're right, it isn't the sort of film that people would typically watch. And I think that's one of the benefits of the festival is that, you, and, and like any festival, you know, you go to a music festival and you see bands you wouldn't necessarily have watched, but yeah. you're won over because you see it. And I think that Where the Mirrors Roam is that kind of band. There's is that film that you're going to watch and go, oh, do you know what? I wouldn't have found time for this. I wouldn't have even maybe known it was mm. on the radar. And it's such an interesting piece and you can get a lot out of it. And then to be able to kind of discuss it and see what other people made of it mm. is really interesting. Whereas, you know, if someone watches the, the latest Batman film, <laughs> oh yeah, I liked it. Oh yeah, no, I didn't like it. It's like, that's pretty much how it goes. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, he's not my Batman. Like that's the kind of yeah. like, chat we get. Whereas with this, it could be that someone's going to go in a completely different direction and yet still have a very valid point, you know? But that's exactly it though, isn't it? I mean, you could watch a film like Batman that doesn't really demand anything from you as a viewer. Not really. You know, it's purely visual. It's 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 good overcoming evil. That's all you need to know, really. That's all you get from it. That's the strength of the story, really. With Batman or Superman, what you know, anyone within the DC, Marvel Comics, superheroes genre, right? That's all you're getting from it. And that's that could be tell you more about me than anything else, but that's quite limiting in itself. But a film like Where the Mirrors Roam is altogether more challenging. And mm. again, as I've often, it's a theory I've often expounded, is that expanded in the past, is that, you know, there are some films that make you work a lot harder for your entertainment. Uh, and some people won't buy into that. But I think it's a good thing because it keeps you more on your toes. Absolutely. And that, is the last film uh, of this episode that we're going to review. Uh, there's going to be more episodes and more podcasting coming your way. Some of the films may be reviewed on our other shows, so we'll be checking them out on Rachel's horror show, Scream Test, and mm. uh, Amber's Gay Actually show, that she does with Joyce. So some of the films, because they're genre films, uh, we thought they'd be best reviewed by our genre critics. Mm. Um, so, yeah, do check them out. Also, check out our other shows that we have, like the new releases show with Robert and uh, the 
the, the latest superhero goings on. Um, although I, I checked their episode out today, uh, the Phantom Zone, they they reviewed Blade Runner. That would give you an idea of when we record this. And yeah, interesting points just to see if Ian is a replicant. What do you think, Brian? Do you think he's a replicant? I've always wondered. About, you know, yeah, I've, and I've, don't be funny, they, they did a show about um, Blade <laughs> Runner and he still manages to put the boot in to Christopher Nolan. I'm just like, Ian, let it go. He, he's, he's, got a, he's got a fixation, hasn't he? I think we should revisit the work of Christopher Nolan at some point, you know. Oh, I think uh, that they, those guys are going to. I think that's their plan. But um, uh, excellent. Yeah. Well. Anyway, check out their their podcast. The guys are great. Uh, it's really yeah. good hearing the three. Good of them. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, absolute hats off to Simone for putting up with Ian. I mean, I. Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. You know, I think I think it's very important that she gets you know all the support she can. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's been lovely having you, Brian. Thank you for joining me again. Always a pleasure. Really enjoy it. Can't uh, wait for the next one. Yeah, me too, because my whiskey's finished. So, oh, well, you know. there you go. That's when you know the shut, the, the podcast is ended. It's when your glass <laughs> is empty. I told you, know. you, if I'm hungry or if I'm thirsty, things get nasty. So bring me a full bowl of cereal now. So, yeah, so you need a full glass or a full bowl of something yeah. before you Actually, start. Actually, to be honest, a full bowl of whiskey would be good. Rather than a glass. Maybe that was what yeah. I did wrong. The uh, tumbler yeah. was wrong. Oh, you ever thought of combining the two? You know, whiskey oh. with with cornflakes. You know, it's just a thought. You, you know. Did you ever watch um, Bottom? Did you ever used to watch Bottom with Rick Mao? Oh, with Adrian Abinson and Rick Mao, yeah. I don't there know. was a scene, I don't know if it was on one of the live shows or the episodes, where he pours Stella onto his Weetabix. And nothing uh. has ever made me feel so sick. <laughs> I remember thinking, that is just disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> so yeah, alcohol. I don't even like uh, alcohol in my chocolate. So when people say, "Oh, here's some nice sort of cherry liqueurs and all this sort of stuff," I'm like, "No, no, no. Chocolate is great. Alcohol is great, but they should be separate." I really? You, you don't so so you don't like that sort of thing at all? Then you, you... I, I don't mind if you're going to cook it off like in a sauce, like yeah. red wine in a sauce, something like that. But not when alcohol is so like sherry trifle. It's like, no, just give me trifle. I don't want sherry in my trifle. Like, no, thank you. Yeah, it's strange how discerning you get though, isn't it? Now I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible chocolate fiend. You know, it's the one <laughs> my one food weakness in food is chocolate. You know, I, I've given up red meat, um, which I didn't think I'd ever do. Um, I've 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 cut out fizzy drinks I, as much as I love Coca Cola. I don't drink that anymore. I drink this really healthy uh, uh, water. Get more Vits. It's fortified with vitamins. I mean, I'm amazed how healthy I, I'm getting, but. One thing that I can't give up is chocolate and sugar in tea. Oh, you're not a sugar in tea. Yeah, afraid so. I, are you not? I, I wish I, I wish have I, my tea. Just milk. I wish I could Black do that. I, oh, I can't. I can't. You know, I grew up in a household that we all had sweet tooths. And my my middle brother used to have four sugars in, he, in his tea. <laughs> I worked at a timber yard for a while. And... Um, the, the guys that proper blokey blokes, right? They yeah. um, they would have four sugars and in, in what was a tiny cup of tea as well because we only had these small cups. And I remember the first week getting absolutely rinsed by these guys because every yeah. time I bring them their their sugar their sugary tea, yeah. they'd be like, 
Chris, Chris, you've got to stir it from the bottom. Stir it from the bottom. <laughs> How do you manage to stir it with that much in it? Because like... <laughs> it was, it was like, here's your sugar with a bit of tea. And I was just like, yeah, they used to give me hell for it. But yeah, no, I, I, I just go without. I've always gone without sugar. Uh, you've done yourself a huge favour, I tell you that. I'm I like mean, brick well... top, I'm sweet enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, natch, <laughs> natch. Um, but um, yeah, so, you know, I'm realising there are so, so many things that I'm willing to give up for my diet, but there, there you go. It's all progress. It's all good, you know. I mean, there was a time that I'd never touch a meal unless it had red meat in it. And now I, I can do that. I suffer with gout, and gout is an hereditary thing in my family. And um, I was told that red meat is, is really terrible for gout because it's got a high level of purine and purine increases the level of uric acid in the joints. So I was told, give it up. Fine, gave that up. And they said, yep. give up red wine. Well, that's easy because I don't drink red wine. So that's easy to give up. Send it to Chris. So, oh, oh, is he into red wine? Oh, no, me. This Chris. Oh, it's so you. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, no. That Chris said it to Buick. Leave him out of it. So he, oh, I thought you were talking about the other Chris. Oh, oh right. No. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's got Ian. He's happy enough. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so there you go. I'd say, uh, uh, I'd say um, it was National Cinema Day on. I'm going off at a bit of a tangent here. Um, National Cinema Day on, on Saturday. You can see films for three quid. I saw two films at opposite ends of the, the entertainment spectrum for me. I saw Nope with um, Daniel Kalia, directed by Jordan Peele, yeah. which was absolutely brilliant. I love that film. Um, I don't understand. A lot of it I don't understand, particularly the bit about the chimp that goes crazy on the TV show that they keep on flashing back to. Have you seen it at all? I haven't seen it, so th- that uh, made no sense to me. Oh, uh, right. That's t- probably just as well. But when you do see it, <laughs> Explain the bit about the chimp to me. The chimp called Gordy. But even so, I still loved it. I thought it was great. Loads of atmosphere. Um, brilliant. But the, the film on the other end of the scale, um, The Forgiven with Ralph Fiennes and Jessica Chastain. God, they were slow. Oh, really? Really, really slow. The Beautifully made. Fantastic locations. Morocco. Sahara Desert, all that jazz going on, brilliant. But do you know, in the cinema, I heard somebody snoring. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not kidding you. I heard somebody asleep. And you know what? Whilst I don't approve of people falling asleep in the cinema, um, if they do it quietly, that's all right. But if they make a noise, I'm not so happy. But um, they can't help it, can they? Oh, I suppose not. Yeah, it could be. A, it could be a. You know, it it could be a. Um, I don't know, what, what is it that causes snoring? Is it a nasal thing going on there? Well, anyway. Um, but I kind of understood where they were coming from because there was too much not going on for too long in, in that film, The Forgiven. But it was it was the cast, Ralph Fiennes, Alex Jennings, Jessica uh, uh, Chastain, some very good actors. Yeah, it's a good calibre, isn't it? But... Yeah, good actors. Kept it going, but, oh, God, it's heavy going. It really is. And you, you know when you start blinking? You know, you're, it's in the dark anyway. And you kind of blink, you think, right, hang on. I want to be wide-eyed. I want to stay awake. I don't want to, I don't want to start having micro-naps during this film. <laughs> Even though I wasn't reviewing it, that was, that was kind of okay. Um, but, you know, have you ever ever had that in a, in a, in the cinema? Somebody <laughs> snoring asleep? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I've definitely seen other people. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've done it. I don't think I've done it. Um, which is 
God, do you know what? There might have been one film where I was really tired, which was um the new well I say new, the newer um merger on the Orient Express. Oh right. That Kenneth yeah. Branagh did. That I remember think feeling that was really boring. And I was like but I, I maybe I didn't watch it, I can't remember. But my mum definitely has. My mum doesn't listen to this, so it's fine. She <laughs> definitely, definitely falls asleep. She falls asleep also. We used to go around a friend's house when I was younger, so it's like my parents' friends yeah. and go around and watch a film. <laughs> and it would be minutes into the film where you look over my mum's head's like lolled back. <laughs> She's snoring her head off. Absolute shout out to my mum for she worked, you know, worked to the bone to you know to, to provide for yeah i was kids. gonna say there might be other yeah. things i play she though, was yeah. just tired but i remember because i used to get to watch i think that's probably where my love of film kind of started because i was watching films that probably slightly more advanced than i should have been watching because it was with like adults i think mm. like, that's the first time i watched the matrix and uh, oh, i, I right, had okay. no idea what was going on and um my mum would just fall asleep straight away and what was funny was she'd wake up sort of at some point during the film and and then do that whole kind of like you know when you kind of wake up badly you're like oh, sort of thing oh yeah yeah <laughs> and then everyone would sort of pretend like they didn't notice and then she'd sort of try yeah. and get try and get back into the film yeah. you're like mom you've missed two things. yeah you're half an hour behind you know we're not we're not gonna retrace the the last half an hour for you oh, yeah, yeah I know. But no, she wouldn't know i have had other friends that do that you know when they, they pop off or they they're on their phone or something they go oh what's happening what's going on you're like no no you, you weren't paying attention get out like you know no but, but my mum would sort of pretend like she sort of knew what was going on yeah i know i know uh, you see that's the thing though i think that that's the benefit of going to the cinema normally is that you don't have any distractions it's like the the um uh the promo feature that John Boyega does uh, that they show in view. I don't know whether they show it in all cinemas, but that kind of film that always precedes the main feature. And he says, right, switch off your phone and relax. Um, and that's what it does. It takes you into another world. You've got no distractions, right? But you watch a film at home, you've got too many distractions, really. Um, yeah, definitely where you can pause it, you can go back to it, you can stop it, you can see it in two or three chunks. But when you're in the cinema, you're focusing on nothing else but that that film. But um, that's the first time I've ever heard anyone snoring uh, at the cinema. I mean, maybe I've just been fortunate to go to the cinema with people when they do fall asleep, don't make a noise when they I sleep. That's the first noisy sleeper you've had. Yeah, 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 but that's probably it. I, I suppose really I've had a good run then in that was one. Was it a man or a woman? Because it could have been my uh, mum. Oh, oh, yeah, that's true. No, I thought it. I think it was a man. Yeah, I think it was <laughs> I'll, a, have to ask, I'll ask mum. Yeah, it's too loud to be a woman. I th- do, you, do you think men snore louder than women? I think they do. I don't feel qualified to answer that, really. I haven't really... S- <laughs> been around a lot of sleeping men and women how about you brian yeah. what's your life been like well well let's not go there <laughs> right well on that note uh we're gonna um wrap up but thank you so much for everyone for joining us and listening thank you to all the filmmakers uh who've entered the films that we've reviewed tonight um and to all our other podcasters who are out there and supporting the the good fight so please do listen to their shows go and tune in Uh, But yeah, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Brian. Bye for now. Take care.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.